Servus und herzlich willkommen to another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works flagship show. This is your schnitzel once again. I'm so happy to be back and I will be welcoming BFW's Ryan, also known as Siler, on BFW and BPW. It's great to have him back here because we've already done a podcast and I had a pretty good time doing it. So, uh, Ryan, how are you doing today? And uh, it's been a while since we last met. How are things on your side? Yeah, pretty good. Um, feeling better, of course. The last couple of days have been pretty tough with the uh, imminent surgery and everything on the ankle and everything. But um, yeah, overall doing pretty well and excited to hop into the pod today. Yeah, the, the ankle surgery sounds rough and I hope you get well soon. Um, I'm guessing that uh, it means no football for you for the foreseeable future, but obviously um, I'm sure that you will be able to recover quickly and it should be back to normal soon. I'm hoping for that. And uh, I guess we have quite a lot of topics to dissect today. And it's also a breath of fresh air for all the listeners because they're probably tired of listening to just I need no name and Chuck all the time. So we kind of decided to spice things up and maybe switch things a bit. We can start with uh, the transfer, obviously, the elephant in the room of uh, Sasha Bui, who is a very highly tutored talent. And from what I saw of his highlight reels and some analysis pieces that I was reading the past week, I think he is a very Bayern-style attacking fullback. And he is also quite capable on the defensive side of things. I was quite pleased with what I saw from his overall play and also against this perform uh, during his performance against Man United in the Champions League. Obviously, one could argue that a performance against United would not really indicate anything because they're not the exactly a very high bar that you set to measure a defender against. But overall, I think the signs look promising. And uh, I would rate this as a pretty good transfer if it wasn't for so much money. What do you think? Yeah, no, I have to agree with you on that. I haven't extensively watched him in the Turkish League, and unfortunately, statistics, statistics are hard to come by on the Turkish League. But I have to say, like from what I've seen of Sasha Bowie in a couple of Turkish League games, and especially the Champions League games, he's been fantastic, and he is quite well-rounded as well. What surprised me the most when I was watching him was his defensive acumen, because when he was at Rennes, there was something missing in his defensive game, and he used to get dropped a lot. And it's probably why he never broke through at Rennes properly outside of like the last couple of months before his transfer to Galatasaray. But I'm I'm very happy that we've gotten Sasha Bowie. The only thing that worries me is the balance in the right-back slot now because uh, Thomas Tuchel already was preferring Conrad Leimer to Nusayem Azrawi. And now we have a new 30 million euro right-back who's definitely going to change things in the terms of the pecking order. So I don't know how that's going to change. but. Sasha Bowie is a very smart right-back. He's very good in 1v1 situations especially, and that's been a big weakness at right-back. Conrad Leimer just struggles in 1v1s over and over again. He has probably one of the weakest uh, dual-win percentages on the ground that I've seen from any fullback at Bayern, and definitely one of the worst in the Bundesliga right now. So to have that sort of assurance on the right side is... I mean, it's, it is assuring. And his creativity is also very good. He might not be as smart as someone like Nusay Mazrawi, but he's got that creative edge to him that neither Limer nor Mazrawi does because Mazrawi tends to be more focused on keeping the ball. Uh, he does have his moments, but he is more focused on keeping the ball and being a smart player. 
Bowie is more risk-taking and he is technically gifted enough to where those risks tend to pay off. So we could be in for some magic moments. This could be our next uh, Joao Cancelo moment here because he's a very similar player in terms of the way he attacks. He might not be as gifted with his vision, but he's got the dribbling, he's got the crossing. And I, I definitely think that we've got a good player here. Yeah, I think uh, that was quite spot on. And one thing I noticed from... I guess, analyzing both players and seeing them side to side is that, at least with Sasha Bowie, he is what I would think uh, Adama Traore would be if he played at right back, except with uh, probably better defending skills and uh, maybe a little less pace because the way he drifts to the middle from the wings and then also stretches the width of the pitch, the way he shifts between the lines, I think it's really reminiscent of a traditional winger but also he's able to play his defensive duties pretty well so i think he is a very balanced attacking right back but then again these are early stages and whatever sample size we have seen is from the turkish league so we need a little more time to come to a good assessment but um then again kim min jay was from the turkish league as well he initially got his breakout season in uh, Turkey, and then he moved to Italy. So if we have anything similar to that trajectory in our hands, then Bayern's future looks pretty nice with Sasha Bowie in it. But at the same time, it is a very high-risk gamble because if it doesn't pan out, that is quite a lot of money, especially since, like you mentioned, we already have one of the world's best right-backs, in my opinion at least, Nusair Mazraoui, still at Bayern Munich. And on his day, he is arguably the best because he has shown us multiple times in the past, especially in Champions League fixtures, the games against Barcelona come to mind where he absolutely shut down their entire attack on the flank. And he's so intelligent going forward, like you mentioned. And one thing about Masrawi that caught my eye with the very first season is that he tends to take smart dribbles as opposed to flashy dribbles. Like he can dribble really well but he can also choose not to dribble when it doesn't suit the team. And once he gets himself into a pocket of space where he thinks he can dislodge a pass, his crosses, his passes tend to be really good. I think better than Davies, much, much, much better than Davies. And I think attacking-wise, he is way more accurate than Davies is. Davies gets into good situations mainly because of his pace and because of his dribbling ability. But Masrawi is way more of an intelligent fullback, I would say. And Sasha Bowie has a lot more to do to get to that level. So it's going to be very interesting how Tuchel picks his uh, defenders. But at the same time, we've seen time and again how Tuchel has this propensity to stick to some players, to favor some players over others. So I really hope that doesn't cloud his judgment because it would be a shame to see someone like Masrawi with so much talent leave for peanuts to a top European rival. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. Masgawi, definitely on his day, is one of the best right-backs in the world. He was my favorite right-back to watch at Ajax, and that was another dream transfer of mine alongside Delict. When those two came in in 2022, I was sat there thinking I was in dreamland because my favorite centre-back and my favorite right-back have both joined Bayern Munich. And yep. Yeah, I think... And yeah, go on. I think I, I was going to say that they both looked amazing against Julian Nagelsmann, especially like towards the closing stages of the season. I think Delict was an absolute monster in that PSG fixture. And I remember commenting on one of the articles, you know, uh, I think, what was it? I might be paraphrasing, but I think it was something along the lines of 
Matthias just control alt deleted PSG out of existence. And uh, that that pretty much exemplified my feelings for the defender that day. I was so impressed by his performance. And I also thought Mazrawi was having a breakout season. And then a year into the future, and both players have slid into oblivion. They don't get any minutes, and they're facing so much on the pitch and also probably psychologically, because why do you get benched despite being such a quality player? That must do things to a player's mentality. So I, I can only imagine what they might be going through. And I haven't seen a very good explanation from Tuchel so far on why those players are benched. At least with respect to Thomas Miller, it's like, oh, he doesn't have pace. He's not quick enough. But what about the, the other players? I mean, Dilik never really depended on his pace as a defender, def defensive player throughout his life, and especially at top clubs like Ajax and Juventus. And he did pretty well. He took Ajax to the semifinals of the Champions League. And with Mazraoui, he was excellent at Ajax as well. So I don't know. Let's just hope that this transfer plays well for all parties involved and that Thomas Tuchel makes the right decisions because it's always great to have great depth in defense. And Bayern Munich right now is stacked defensively, if not for injuries. We probably have the most quality stacked defensive line alongside Manchester City. Like, look, think about it. We have four top-notch centre-backs. And uh, pardon me for calling Eric Dier, Dier a top-notch centre-back, but I think he looked really good in his debut. And I think he's a very good role player. I think he can fill in extensively and he can contribute to the team's success. I think our right-back slot is now very deep. Now, if Stanisic returns next season, it's going to be three right-backs fighting for one, one spot. The left-back position with Davies and Guerrero is also quite stacked. So we probably have one of the most stacked quality defences in all of Europe. And don't forget Franz Kretzik and Adam Aznu off the bench for left-back as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. We have some budding youngsters too, so... And I see that uh, Franz Kretzisch is your PFP, so I'm sorry for <laughs> ignoring the player. Uh, it's is... actually Paul Vanner. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> from from afar, I think they look quite similar. Yeah. Oh man, Paul Vanner. What whatever happened to him? I miss him so much. He was widely tutored to be one of the most promising talents to come out of Germany, and then he chose Austria uh, to represent internationally, which I was quite happy for because I don't think. His talent would get used in the German national team. But, uh, I mean, do you know how he's doing? Because that is also a good question, I think. He's actually I doing pretty checked. decently um, in the Zweite Bundesliga. I think he has five or six goal contributions in, I think, about five games worth of minutes. Or I think, um, no, he's played more than that. But he has quite a decent, like a healthy production rate. So he's not doing too bad. But it remains to be That's... seen if he can handle the step up. That's a, that's a very good point. And uh, obviously, we would have to come to a point in the future when we discuss Thomas Muller's retirement and who takes the baton from him. And I don't think it's Jamal Muziala. Probably someone like Florian Ritz would be absolutely brilliant, but that's a stream. That's, that's just a pipe dream at this point. Um, too much uh, digression, I guess. We can head back to the next point of discussion, which is... What has Christoph Freund done well so far and what has he missed? And do we really have enough to make a complete assessment of his job so far at Bayern? Well, um, I really don't think we've had enough time with Freund. We've only really had one window because he joined September 1st of the season. So he's only really had one window to work in. And that window has been a very 
uh, I would say a window where he's been pulled on both sides because the managers had clear demands and the board has had clear demands and those demands do not come together at all because Tuchel has been desperate for reinforcements and the board has been desperate to cut down on how much they're spending here to quote-unquote save for the summer, which it remains to be seen if Bayern will actually spend in the summer because after the previous summer window, it seemed like Bayern were holding their cards close to their chest so they could do something in the winter because Bayern turned a net profit in the summer, which never happens. So it it just seems like he's being pulled in all directions and he doesn't really know what to do. But I have to say that of the profiles that Tuchel has demanded, Freund has been bang on. It's just that the profiles that Tuchel demands are not the correct profiles for Bayern Munich. They're not the kind of players that we should be signing. Because Tuchel's style of football is one that is more about what the team does off the ball than on the ball. Which is also why I think players like Mazrawi and Delict are not getting as many minutes because these are players who excel when Bayern have or when their team has 60-65% of the ball. But they're not used to being teams that just sit back and then hit on the break. Which is why someone like Conrad Leimer gets more minutes because Leimer is pacey. Leimer knows that he has to look forward, forwards after every turnover of the ball. And Mazrawi is different. Mazrawi looks to see how Bayern can be safe in possession for a couple of seconds and then move into the final phases of play. And those few seconds, while they provide stability in most teams for Tuchel, it's more about getting on the break, which is also why I think Sasha Bowie is a good transfer because Sasha Bowie is another player that always looks to be direct when he gets the ball. And you can see it in the kind of profiles that have been targeted. You look at your Jao Palinias, your Eric Dyers, your Kieran Trippiers. These are all players who don't spend time with their team on the ball. Palinia spends most of his games just shuttling in front of the defense, holding all these attacks off. And then the second he gets the ball, his first his first instinct is to try and move it forward directly, which is what Tuchel wants from his number six. But it's not what Bayern Munich does as a football club. Same thing goes for Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier is a player who plays for Newcastle. Newcastle do not keep the ball. Newcastle break very quickly and Trippier is their main outlet for that out wide. So these kinds of players are the kinds of players that Tuchel wants to bring in. And Freund is targeting the perfect players for these profiles, but they're just not the profiles that Bayern Munich signs, which is why a lot of people are reacting negatively to these kinds of transfer rumors. Yeah, I think I have a lot more to say on Tuchel, which will come shortly. And some of these points will also be essential to some of the arguments being made. But right now, I just, uh, as in focusing solely on transfers, if I had to evaluate uh, Freund's performance so far in this window, and I think Bayern is not poised to make any more transfers. I think that's it. Um, Eric Dyer, I would rate it as a pretty decent transfer because he is a veteran player. He gives depth, and that is all he is required to do. I don't think Bayern ever signed him to be a starter. So I can make peace with that, especially since we almost got him on a free and uh, his wages will also likely be lower than that of the other defenders. So not going to complain about that transfer. It's just a stopgap solution for the other defenders to return once uh, Kim is back from his tour and once the rest of the defense is healthy and well-rested, there should be no reason that he gets the start over the rest of the defense except if it is uh, because of fatigue and balancing the minutes. 
And uh, Sasha Bowie, I would rate it as a very good transfer. A lot of upside, but also potentially if he does fizzle out, he should have decent resale value. So I don't see this as a very huge risk gamble. I think he is a really talented player and we should be able to get quite a lot out of his talent in the next five and a half years if he stays for that long at plan. And I guess overall, we did not need to add too many extra pieces because the club is still functioning quite well with the players we have. The attack is stacked and I would say the same with the midfield. And I'm quite happy that we did not go spending, splurging on a new defensive midfielder like Palinia because we already have so many world-class midfielders in the squad. And right now we have a player who is taking the Bundesliga and I'm sure will take the Champions League in the future as well by Storm in Alexander Pavlovich. And his rise has been incredible. He was so good in the most recent win against Augsburg. And he is, I believe, the exact type of DM profile that Bayern Munich is looking for. He is that midfielder. And we do not need to sign anyone else. We just need to focus on his development. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. Pavlovich is fantastic. He's my favorite player to watch right now. He's so, so good. I think he's so great on the ball, but what impressed me more was his off-the-ball awareness. Like It's obviously his defensive instinct, but also the way he moves, he positions himself, the way he drifts between the lines. I saw multiple times during the game when the players did not have any passing options, any ideas, and then he just found himself in the right pocket of space to receive a pass. And I was like, wow, that is really good positional awareness. So uh, quite impressed with what I'm seeing so far, and I hope he develops on the same trajectory because... Tuchel is very notorious for benching players right when they start heating up. Like, Matthew Tell, whatever happened to him, I'm so surprised that he does not get more minutes because he was fantastic in the Hinrunda and then fast forward to 2024 and he no longer gets any minutes at all. So, I don't know, kind of frustrating to me. But I hope this is not a recurring theme with a lot of the youngsters because one major point in favor of Tuchel when he was initially brought in, was that he was supposed to develop the youngsters. But I don't think he's doing a great job of it right now. So I, I just really hope that changes. Yeah, I would say that Tuchel's development of the youngsters was more down to just circumstance of the injuries than actual active choices <laughs> to yeah, play yeah. players like Kretzik and Pavlovich. But yeah, I mean, Pavlovich is fantastic. And honestly, if we really want an extra midfielder, I hate to bring this up again because I have brought this up before, but Mazgawi has everything you need for a number six. You can just move him there, especially if he's not going to get games at right back. Just move him to set the defensive midfield because he has everything you need in a top-class defensive midfielder. And it's not like he hasn't played there. He He's played for Ajax. He came up through the Ajax system. There's no way he has not played as a defensive midfielder in his many years going through the youth system. I'm sure he would do a fantastic job there. And we saw him in a central role under Nagelsmann around this time last year when Leon Goretzka started pushing further up forward. Nusei Mazraoui tuck in and invert and play as the second midfielder alongside Joshua Kimmich. It's not a role he's unfamiliar with even at Bayern Munich. So just pull the trigger on that if you really don't want to play Pavlovich, which I would say you do need to play Pavlovich because he's showing all the maturity you need. It's not like he's going to be out of his depth in the Champions League game because he's showing the maturity required of a player in his position. He's not looking out of his depth at all. Yes, I think I think that's a good idea. I think that you can play Mazraoui as a defensive midfielder. 
but a part of me also asks the question why like we have a really good crop of pure midfielders i think for example conrad limer has been underutilized as a defensive midfielder and as an engine that drives the team he did excellently uh, at RB Leipzig with that role. And I think he has the ability to do the same at Bayern Munich. He's just not being utilized properly. And I also don't understand how Kimmich is suddenly a liability, suddenly a problem, but he has been the team's anchor for a long time. And I think it largely just comes down to the system. The system is not utilizing the players to the best of their abilities. And it's just trying to figure out how to slot players in at different different spots. And then I see you exclaiming that uh, Conrad Limer played as an eight. Um, I, I kind of agree with you, but also not completely, because I think with Zabitza and Limer, they switched their roles around a lot. And as far as my eye test went, I thought when they played as the midfield duo with uh, maybe um, Christopher Nkunku or Emil Forsberg at the 10, Zabitza would make those runs into the box and would venture in and out more like an eight. And I thought, at least against Bayern Munich, the games that I've seen of RB Leipzig up close of Leimer and Zabitzer operate together, Leimer took the more defensive role and he was a constant pest in Bayern's attack, constantly trying to foil down the defensive defensive situation. But then again, that was the same with Kemish and Goretzka, right? So it's, I think, more fluid than just a very well-defined six and eight role. But of course, if you have something to say, I'd love to listen to your idea. I mean, I he was definitely the deepest midfielder, but it was also the fact that he was sat behind a back five, which sort of gave him that cushion to press out more. I would say that behind a back four as a pure number six, I don't see him really working because his strength is the fact that he, he has that engine and that he can press for a full 90. And to have him play as a number six, you're kind of not letting him use that that dog in him. So you have to play him as a number eight and have him, you know, press and sort of shut down attacks before they come to closer to the box where the number six's screening ability is coming to work. So I would say Pavlovich next to Limer could work, but I don't see Limer as a sole number six. No, I, I agree with you. But also, I don't understand uh, why, I mean, at least now with Tuchel's new game plans, why he sees the need to have a pure number six. Because for the past, I think, six, seven years, even even longer, I don't consider even Thiago a pure number six. He was very good defensively, but he was not a pure number six. I think Arturo Vidal was the last, and Javi Martinez were the last destroyers, like pure destroyers we had. And even Arturo, I would argue, was more of a an attacking eight, who was also good defensively, like a tenacious six-eight hybrid than a pure eight. So... Javi Martinez would probably be the most pure number six that we had in the past. And since then, we have not really had out-and-out number sixes. We've diverged from that and we've had more well-rounded players who try and stifle the press and regain possession before getting into a situation where they need to drift between the defense and function as defensive anchors, like a Casemiro, for example, or maybe <clears throat> like a Joao Palinho. So... I, I don't know, like, maybe we don't need a pure six, but Tuchel's so adamant with his game plan and with the fact that he needs a player of that caliber, of that make, of that mold. So can't really argue with the coach for the time being, I guess. And if that's exactly what he wants, then Pavlovich is probably his best shot at that kind of defender. Yeah, they, yeah, I have to agree on that. The 
Bayern Munich system has never really required a destroyer number six. Javi Martinez, to be fair, was the missing piece for Jupp Heynckes. But even then, Javi Martinez was very smart on the ball. His primary job was still being that first-phase build-up option rather than being the off-the-ball screener. That was his primary role. And yeah, Thiago Alcantara, he was not a number six. He played as one, but he played as one off the ball, sure. But on the ball, he would come between the centre-backs to receive and then immediately turn around, beat the first line of press, and then look to play the ball forward. That's not usually what a number six does. A number six, the way Tuchel envisions it, is, yeah, the destroyer type. And I just, I don't think Bayern need that kind of player. We, we never have, and we never really should. But again, if Tuchel really wants one, then, I mean, what can we do? Yeah, I tend to agree. And and I think that brings us to my most favorite topic for today. But before that, uh, I had written something, something, injury, something. But I think we don't have to really discuss injuries because, one, it's always depressing to do this. And two, it never amounts to anything because we know that Bayern players get injured every single season during the crucial stretch. And especially right before key games. So I'm not surprised that we are dealing with an injury crisis right now. This was always meant to happen because this is FC Bayern Munich. So I think uh, unless you have something to add regarding the injury situation, we can just move on to the next topic. Would you agree? I mean, do you just want me to list off the injuries we have? Because it it would probably take up the remaining (laughs) time. We could do that. Uh, Uh, We have... have, (laughs) Maybe not, maybe not. (laughs) We've We've got Gnabry who's got a muscle injury in somewhere in ah. his upper body, I think, or lower body. We've got Upumekano who tore a muscle fiber. We've got Kimmich who missed uh, yesterday's game with a shoulder injury. Uh, Kingsley Coman tore his MCL. God knows how long he's going to be out for. We have Mazgawi who got injured back in December. Uh, Peretz apparently has a ligament injury. Um, who else? Bunasar tore his ACL. That's a big loss for us. And Conrad Limer also. Oh, yeah. tore his calf, I believe. Some ligaments in his calf or muscle in his calf. So that's that's an extensive injury list. I think I think since Bunazar is out, Tuchel has already made his excuse for not winning the Champions League. It's clear cut. We already yeah, know sure. that we already know that we're out. We're probably losing to Lazio. This is it. That's it, guys. That's the season. Wow. I mean, we already have to start we already start with a blank slate now. It's 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 on to next season now. It's just all of the, the almost half the squad is decimated, and uh, it is very bleak, very depressing. But this happens every season, so you know, just something we, we need to deal with. with. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's also the Bayern DNA. Oh, if a player is. doesn't get injured, is he really a Bayern player? I think FC Bayern is synonymous with injury, and there was a time back uh, in 2013. I think all the way to 2017, 2018, when Key players always got injured right before major Champions League fixtures. And Bayern got the reputation of being FC Hospital. And I, I remember writing so many so many articles where I mentioned the club to be either FC Krankenhaus or just FC Hospital because of the tremendous amount of injuries that we seem to suffer season after season that derail the season. And it seems very, very, very bad this season, especially the timing. But if these players return in time, there's no reason to think that Bayern won't be able to make a deep Champions League run, if not stifled by our next topic of discussion would be Thomas Tuchel's tactics. And this won't just be about tactics. I think I'm trying to make an objective assessment. I'm trying not to let 
my personal feelings of the team and how beautiful it should look typically playing attractive attacking football to get in the way. I want to try and be objective with respect to the results, how his style fits, you know, in Bayern Munich, the philosophy, and also if he is the right man for the job right now and moving forward. A lot of topics for discussion, but uh, I suppose it's our time to take our customary break because Chuck needs ad revenue. And that means that we need to pause and have some tea and come back once the break is over. So I'll see you on the other side, Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are on course uh, for the next topic of discussion, which was previously introduced, and that is Thomas Tuchel's tactics at Bayern and the current situation, how the team is actually performing. What about the eye test? How much weight can we actually give it? provided results keep coming? And finally, is this viable for the rest of the season? Will Bayern be able to maintain these results if they play with the same type of football and if they play with the same level of consistency we've seen them play? Uh, we can start by answering a very simple, straightforward question. What do you think of Bayern's Bundesliga performance in 2024 so far? Poor. There's no other word for it. It's just poor. The results might come. Last week, the result didn't even come. But the eye test does not lie. <laughs> I think uh, that's very fair. I would say I'm not impressed at all. In fact, it was appalling. Like the game against Werder Bremen, I just want to forget it. Um, really, really poor showing. Just no intention to do anything whatsoever. And the team looked quite lost. And I get the impression that in recent games, I see a team that looks like an absolute shell of the Bayern of former years. They do not show the same intensity, the same, you can say, tenaciousness when it comes to pressing and attacking. And the defense has also been quite poor. Conceding those two goals against Augsburg, which were two goals that did not require, you know, any extraordinary efforts to be prevented. The header from Demirovic was totally unmarked. And you cannot let that man in the box and let him jump so high without putting up any sort of fight. He was not marked. He was able to get off his guard very quickly, go in, in between the defense, a towering header, and before we know it, we've already conceded. And I believe that uh, the penalty could also have been avoided. But then again, it, it was just a, a total defensive collapse towards the dying minutes of the game, which is also something that we've been seeing under Thomas Tuchel. Like that game against Man United when the Champions League comes to mind. The, the team was playing really well up until late in the second half when two goals were conceded out of nowhere. And then the team was scrambling for a last-ditch win attempt. So I think consistency has been a major problem for the team. But also, do you think the team has really improved tactically? I told everyone last season and also the first half of this season, that I do not see any clear ta tactical ideas, any philosophy from Tuchel that would distinguish this Bayern or give it some identity. And I still do not see any identity with the way the team plays on the pitch. I do not see what he is trying to implement. It just doesn't make sense to me. What do you think of it? I think, yeah, towards the end of last season, there were no ideas, really. Tuchel was just going game by game. This season... You can sort of see the ideas in the style of football that he's trying to implement, but the players clearly want to play a different way. And it shows because, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any identity on the pitch because the players want to play one way and the manager wants to play another way. 
and those two ways do not congeal with each other at all. Like they do not go together. So I, I would say that we have tactically regressed because yeah, sure. Statistically, we might be doing better. We might be conceding less per game and scoring more per game. But a lot of that is down to the fact that we've had some outstanding individual performances and the fact that we have had improvements in certain key areas, right? The implementation of Min Jae Kim at center back has been massive for us. And of course, the addition of Harry Kane up top. And these kinds of players will naturally start to skew the, the statistics in a certain way. So as a team, we might be doing better on the numbers front, but it's very clear when you watch the team on the pitch that we are worse than we were under Nagelsmann. And that is a damning indictment of the decision that was made almost 10 months ago now, or 11 months ago now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, also one thing that I keep, I mean, I see your point about the players not fitting with the coaching philosophy. Do you think that the players will continue showing this mismatch between the tactics that Tuchel wants to implement and the way they wish to play, even in the coming games and deep end of the season? Or do you think this is something that is that that has the potential to change? Because if it doesn't, then it's very worrying. Uh, it, it, it could just be the case of more performances like these where we see a lack of intent, but also some players just looking lost sometimes on the pitch, just not knowing what their role exactly is. And I've seen that also happen to Sané in recent weeks. And not just because he has been moved for some stupid reason to the left wing, but also because he doesn't seem to have that freedom almost in the way he plays. And he seems very, very stifled with the way he attacks. I don't, I can't pinpoint exactly what is wrong, but I don't see him perform to the same levels. And I would say the same with some of our other players, like Alfonso Davies. Uh, aside from the previous game, in which I think he was pretty good, I don't think he is the same player he was under Nagelsmann, for instance. So a lot of players have regressed tactically and uh, quality-wise on the pitch. Yeah, it very much does seem that way. And I think Tuchel found a system earlier in the season with the midfield box with Kingsley Coman sort of tucking in. That worked, but for some reason, he's decided to add more principles to it. And yeah, it has stifled players like Levi Zane. Zane, earlier in the season, was having maybe the best period of his entire career. I would say... He was better um, in the first half of the season last season, just that his production wasn't quite there. But in terms of overall play, he was at pretty much his best during the start of the season where he had a free role, basically, because you had four players forming a box in the center and Zane was sort of the wild card who could show up anywhere, really. And that sort of freedom gave him the license to do the kinds of things he was doing. And now Tuchel seems to have a very set idea of how he wants Zane to play, and it's clearly not working. And the same can be said of someone like Javan Musiala, who's in a role that does not suit him at all. He does not work as a second striker attacking midfielder because he can't hold up the ball. He doesn't have the strength to do that. He can't really play with his back to goal. And sure, he might be good at dribbling the ball out through the center, but when you're in the center, you face a lot more players than you would, say, out wide on the left when you have a 1v1 against a fullback. And of course, Musiala is going to win that 1v1 because he's Jamal Musiala. So it's just, there's so many incongruent ideas between how a player can play and how a player should play and how Tuchel wants them to play. And I just don't see that that dissonance going away in the next couple of months. And to look at the future... I don't see the players that are in bad positions right now just continuing at Bayern. 
I don't think they will. I would not blame Matthias Delict if he wants to leave. As much as I myself do not want it to happen, I've said this multiple times. If Matthias Delict leaves, I will almost be tempted to follow him wherever he goes and leave Bayern Munich behind because he's genuinely probably my favorite player that I've ever watched. So it's it's those kinds of just baffling decisions with the players who are being left out that leave me wondering where this team is going to go. Yeah, I really hope it doesn't come to that because uh, it would suck to lose you, you know, in our fan base. Like we would, <laughs> I, I really hope it doesn't come to that. But also, I think that, I mean, there's also an interesting question that uh, was posed by some some of the points you mentioned. Do you think that now that the team knows exactly what Tuchel wants from them, the players are starting to show how poor the system is because they now actually follow Tuchel's tactics and that is why the performances are dipping. Whereas in the first half of the season, they were still getting used to the idea of playing Tuchel ball, but not um, him implementing his tactics completely, which was probably why those wins came into play. Because obviously it might be a harsh way of putting it, but that could mean that he just fluked his way to victories in the first half of the season. Maybe it's just individual talent and the way they've always been playing at Bayern and not necessarily Tuchel ball in the first half. Oh yeah, 100%. That's always how it's been from the outset. Even when I did my tactical analysis articles, I very much mentioned the fact that a lot of these moments came down to the individual quality of the players involved. And it has always sort of been like that. The only time there seems to be any system in place is when Thomas Muller is on the pitch. And even that system is not a Tuchel system. It's Muller directing the players around. So it's, it yeah, it just seems like it's the players who are pushing the envelope with Bayern, especially in attack. And Tuchel doesn't really know what to do there. And you can see it in players who are used to being in a system. When you look at someone like Kingsley Coman, he's very used to being in a structured system where he knows what to do and he will execute. But when you put him in a system like Tuchel's system, where it's sort of just a, okay, go ahead, do what you need to do. It it shows in the fact that he's very indecisive and he's consistently played and he's played to a pretty decent level this season prior to the injury. But every time he got the ball, there was that level of he doesn't quite know what to do. He would look up after he gets the ball. He would sort of delay the decisions. You couldn't really tell what he was going to do because at times even he didn't know what to do. And a lot of the times we get our direct chances is when the wingers, especially later in the game, is when Zane and Matitel just say, all right, screw the tactics, give me the ball, I'm going to dribble past a guy and shoot. And that's where a lot of our shots later on in the halves have come. And that's a damning indictment yeah. of the lack of direction in our attack. Screw it, I'll do it myself. Uh, has often worked for some teams in the past, but this cannot be a recurring strategy all the time because there's only a certain number of times when individual quality can save a coach and in the Champions League, it will definitely go punished, even for the smallest mistakes, as we've seen time and again in the past. There was even Jupp Heinrichs Bayern, which was arguably one of the sharpest squads I've seen under him, the 2017-18 Champions League season, when I thought the team was playing really, really well, if not for that game against Real Madrid, where two bloopers, two individual errors were, were exploited by Real Madrid and the team came crashing down. I think if not for those errors, Bayern would have won because we did score two goals. And if you remove that Sven Rice error and also the one where Rafinha just gave away the ball, Bayern probably would have won it. And they did play as the better team. So this is a competition where individual errors will be exploited. And that is a scary thought. But 
if we stop focusing on the Champions League for a second and just look at the stats from the Bundesliga, the season doesn't look bad at all. I think Bayern Munich, at least on the stat sheet, like we said, the eye test is very different from what we see on the stat sheet. And Bayern has won 15 of their 19 games, drawn just two and lost two. And for any of the prior seasons, this would seem like a very good record, especially if Bayern keep this pace in the in the uh, Rookrunda. And if we only draw two games and maybe lose one in the coming 17 fixtures or so, we would still be on course for 80 plus points, which is a very good season. But point number one is that Leverkusen is also having quite possibly their best season ever statistically and the best season the Bundesliga has ever seen so far at this stage, scoring so many goals, uh, having a goal difference of 36, which is just two less than Bayern Munich and losing none, which has been unheard of, you know, in Bundesliga history. So this means that Bayern has a lot more to play for till the very end. And they cannot slack. They cannot afford to slack because every single loss, every single draw means they're that much further away from winning the Bundesliga. And we know that for Bayern Munich, a trophyless season is akin to a calamity. It is something that should not be mentioned. It should not happen. Bayern has no business not being anywhere close to a trophy in any season. And it was interesting. There's a stat. Kingsley Coman has won a trophy at every single year he has played He's, he's won a trophy every season, be it for a club or country or both. And so far, from his time at PSG, Juventus, and now at Bayern Munich, he has won a trophy every season. Harry Kane has never won a trophy for his club. So one of those records will have to be broken this year. And I really hope that it's Harry Kane's record because Kingsley Coman will be livid if Bayern don't manage to win either the Bundesliga or the Champions League. And worst case scenario, Bayern and trophyless. And I think nobody, not even God, could save Tupo from getting sacked at that point. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. And yeah, if you look at the the points totals, if we continue with our current trajectory, we end the season with 84 points, which is a ridiculous exactly. total. It would have won us the title in, I think, probably nine out of the last 10 seasons. And what's even more impressive is Leverkusen are on course to get 89 points which puts them just short of the record, which is 91, which we set in the treble-winning season of 2013. That's even more impressive for me. But yeah, you have to look at the context of the season where, yeah, Tuchel's Bayern are doing very well on the points table, but we just happen to be below the best team in Europe right now. And unfortunately, that's recontextualized a lot of the results that we've had. But you also have to look at the eye test. It's just not... Yeah. It's not an 84-point season if you look at the way we're playing. It's just not it. I, I was coming to that. I was coming to that. I was going to say that I agree that the Bundesliga table looks very nice for Bayern. Uh, they've been doing very well. The stats say a lot of nice things. But what do we talk uh, about in terms of you know the eye test? Like We can start off by saying that I believe, at least, a lot of the performances, a lot of the victories, a lot of the... Fixtures have gone in Bayern's way because of individual talent. And we have seen Bayern get saved time and again by the performances of a few players who have changed the game. And when they have off days, Bayern inevitably crumble. And the game against Eintracht Frankfurt is what happens when everything goes wrong. Basically, everything that happens when Tuchel is allowed free reign and the team follows his exact game plan. And it was the same against Werder 
and I believe someone mentioned, I think it was probably you in our channel, that Bayern Munich tend to play really well against teams that allow Bayern to keep possession. Because we have seen that Tuchel ball can look clueless at times. There's always this U-shape that is synonymous with really boring, dead football. And this is not just a Tuchel phenomenon. Pep Guardiola had that, had that problem with Bayern, but, and he was criticized for it. And if a coach of Pep's caliber can get criticized for the U-shape, and he did improve on it, and now Manchester City looks very different from times in the past, a coach of Thomas Tuchel's caliber can also definitely be criticized. And I think I speak for a large section of the fan base when I say that the football is very unattractive. It doesn't look passionate. It doesn't look intense. There is a lack of overall gig and pressing. There's a lack of intensity. And the players are being underutilized in their respective positions. I don't know why Harry Kane is playing as a defender. I agree with the argument that he has always been a very involved player. But I think we also need him to be up there scoring goals, being a poacher. His production was incredible in the Hindrunda and it's dropped so drastically in the Hindrunda. And I just want to see him go back to dominating teams and to be that striker that we need, not in a counter-attacking system. Tuchel is trying to implement the system he had in Chelsea and PSG at Bayern Munich, which is my biggest bone to pick with him. The teams are so different. At PSG, he was reliant on very quick, pacey attacking players, mostly just through balls, bypassing the midfield and underutilizing the wings, just getting vertical balls over the top. And at Chelsea, it was basically the most boring edition of football ever, but it was still winning football simply because there was a huge emphasis on defense. The teams would park the bus against opposition for large periods, especially after scoring a goal or two, and they would just grind out victories. And most of the games were either like 1-0 or 2-1 victories. And occasionally he would get a draw in cup competitions and then grind it out like he did in the Champions League uh, in the dying stages or against the Manchester City, for example, just defending for large parts of the game and just scoring a goal and hoping that that would be enough to secure the victory. But this is Bayern Munich we're talking about. And the same tactics, the same strategy does not apply here simply because it isn't the club's DNA to attack. This is a club that always has stood for attacking football, at least as far as I remember. Maybe the older generation can argue that it has not always been the case and that maybe Bayern has also played more defensive strategies. They have played back threes and back fives in the past. But I think Bayern DNA right now, if you, if you ask anybody in the supervisory board or if you ask any of the players, they'll tell you that the club represents an attacking brand of football, a brand of football that specializes counter-pressing, that specializes aspects of death metal attacks and also on regaining possession as soon as it is lost. And Tuchel Ball just looks very, very passive. And maybe that is another bone that the players have to pick with him, which is why the team results are not looking very convincing. Yeah, I mean, we had a back three recently with Nagelsmann as well, and probably his most successful system was the back three. Those PSG games come to mind where we played a 3-4-2-1, but even that 3-4-2-1, it still had the core Bayern philosophy in it of quick attacks, holding the ball, progressing positively. It's 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 a complete 180. And yeah, sure, we're playing a 4-2-3-1, which is what Bayern's primary formation has been outside of a short foray with Pep Guardiola's 4-1-4-1, which still almost resembled a 4-2-3-1 because Rafinha would come in and invert. Um, even on Ancelotti, he did the same. But the the style of football is 
completely antipodal to what it's been for the last 10 years, ever since even Louis van Gaal, what is that, 15 years ago now, when Thomas Muller first made his uh, inroads as a professional footballer, even back then it was a 4-3-1. So it's not just the fact that the formation has to be the same. The style of football has to be Bayern Munich. And that's not just a case of, oh, we've always played like this, so we're going to play like this. It's a case of the squad was built around this philosophy of football. These players specialize in this type of football. So you cannot simply throw it out the window and start playing counterattacks. It's just not going to work. It's not just a case of it doesn't fit our philosophy. It's a case of the results will not come. I agree 100%. And I think that now is the time for the club and the board to assess Tuchel very closely because there needs to be a change. The team needs to play with passion. They need to play for the coach and the coach needs to get this out of them because if you have a disgruntled locker room, if you have players who no longer identify as players under the coach system, it's going to be a huge problem. And I, I get the feeling that most of the players never identified with the system and they still don't. Nothing has changed and it looks quite appalling. So something has to give, right? Either the players start playing for Tuchel or Tuchel's system just doesn't work and he has to leave because if it doesn't work, he doesn't get the results. Or maybe it doesn't work and we get the results just because it doesn't work. Like a convoluted way of thinking. But still, I think that's a very far-fetched uh, approach. I don't think that that will happen. There's only a certain amount of luck that a team can have and eventually they just run out of it. And that's, that's the same with Bayern Munich. But uh, that brings me, obviously, to a very nice possibility, which I hope could materialize, but I'm also not super optimistic about it. Uh, the prospect of Jurgen Klopp joining Bayern Munich. And I know that he said maybe no club football for him for the next year and he just wants to take a break. But do you think if Tuchel were to leave in the summer, Bayern would be able to entice a coach of Jurgen Klopp's caliber? It is the big white whale in the room. And I've expressed my excitement over this in the Slack channel quite a bit. But it just seems so far-fetched. Now, to be fair, Bayern have exceeded my expectations before in terms of movements in the transfer market. The transfers of Jao Cancelo, Matthias Delic, Ryan Gravenberg, all these players come to mind. But I just don't see how Jurgen Klopp would jump into a seat that is as highly, um, I would say, as high pressure as Bayern Munich. Because, yeah, sure, from the outside, to people who watch the Premier League and all, the Bayern players almost seems seem like they're on autopilot and they just win the league every year and, oh no, the programming's gone wrong this year or something. But no, the Bayern Munich uh, job is a highly stressful job because you have the expectation of a title every year. And I'm not sure if Jurgen Klopp wants that kind of pressure, but reportedly, I I feel like this isn't true because I haven't heard it from any reliable source, only from fan accounts on Twitter mouthing off on someone else, is that Apparently, Bayern Munich is Jurgen Klopp's dream job. And to be fair, he was rumored for the job before he took on Liverpool back in, I believe it was 2015, after he left Dortmund. So, I mean, if any job was to entice him, it would be Bayern Munich. But I'm not and sure also, that he would come yeah, at all. If I am the Bayern board, and if I see this uh, fall from grace, not not really fall from grace, but rather a loss of identity from past editions of Bayern Munich. 
this this tumultuous period where the club doesn't really know where it's headed, I would need to bring in someone who would be the identity himself, who would whose name would speak for itself, whose football speaks for itself. And I think there's no one better that I can think of right now who is also available than Jurgen Klopp because that man, the players would instantly know the football he represents because we've seen it. We've seen the football he represents and we know just how well it is a fit for Bayern Munich. So that identity fit would be like a perfect puzzle match. It would be like the satisfaction you get when you complete a jigsaw puzzle. It's just he fits so perfectly and the expertise he brings with him is catered to the exact style of football that Bayern likes to play. So I think I think that would be the move to make and the move to watch out for. But once again, we know that it's wishful thinking, but, you know, never say never. And if Tuchel is gone by the end of the season, and if that materializes um, maybe long-term, it isn't the big loss that we think this is. You know, somehow we ended up with a coach that would change Bayern's football, and I'm hoping for the better. And uh, yeah, I think uh, that kind of wraps things up quite nicely. With uh, Tuchel Ball, I guess, just uh, a few more weeks, we will get to know when it gets to the busy stages of the Champions League if Bayern is going to win any trophies at all. But there's still a small part of me that hopes, that really, really hopes that Tuchel is somehow able to pull off at least the Champions League. I don't mind Leverkusen being the team to beat Bayern Munich if that actually happens and winning the Bundesliga because they deserve it from the football they've been playing so far. It's been spectacular. And I've been so happy with their fairy tale success because they've always been called Nebukusen in past years. But Jabi Alonso has made them amazing. He has really pulled those levers and he has made them a different animal. And now it seems like there's nothing they cannot do. They have, have been having an unprecedented season and it would obviously also be a great advertisement for the Bundesliga if another club not named Bayern does really well in both Europe and domestically. And as for Bayern, I just hope that the Champions League is still within grasp. But then again, if we are to get Jurgen Klopp in the summer, I will not be complaining at all. And uh, I guess if you don't have anything to add for the rest of the podcast, I will just say goodbye to everyone and uh, thank you for listening to both Ran and me. It was a pleasure having you with me today. And uh, thanks for joining everyone. Feel free to like, rate, share, and subscribe to us on any and all podcasting platforms that you use. I would stop listing them because there are just so many and it's so hard to keep track. And as I always say, uh, for any aliens tuning to us from other galaxies, uh, feel free to leave your feedback in the comments. And if you have trouble with our language, uh, we always have a resident tra- uh, language expert, uh, John Dillon, who would also help us You know, maybe decipher your comments. And of course... Please also keep showing us your love and your support. We really value it. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen. Yep. See you later, lads.